So, hello everyone and welcome back to the Football Sugar Podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today and today I'm joined by my co-host, Pierce McLaughlin. Hello, Pierce. Hiya, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So, on today's podcast, we will be reacting to Celtic clinching the Scottish Premier League title, previewing this weekend's Champions League semi-final matches. And at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be given a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be discussing Celtic clinching the Premiership title. So on Sunday, the 7th of May, Celtic defeated Hearts 2-0, which means Celtic have won the 2022-23 Scottish Premier League title. And it also means Anne Foster Coglu has won a second title in a row since joining the club. So Pierce, what is your overall thoughts of Celtic winning the title? Do you think they deserve it? Oh no, hands down they deserve it. Yeah, I think they've been the by far the most consistent side in the league, the most exciting to watch, the most defensively solid side. So, and they're going for a record goals, record points tally, and it's kind of similar to the way Rogers was in his first season. But I feel like it's if it's a lot more exciting to watch because it's times Celtic under Brendan Rogers were a bit. Bit boring, bit pedestrian at times with the pace. Whereas Celtic are under Ange Postecoglou, is the first thought is to always go forward, and even then, if it's not working, they've got substitutes off the bench that will then come on and make an impact. And I was looking at a stat the other day, and it was I think this season David Turnbull has made twenty five sub appearances, and then Leo Barra came on at the weekend and made his twenty fifth sub appearance. So it just shows you that, what. The players are then coming off the bench, but to make that many substitute appearances, like although he kind of doesn't really tinker with his side because he keeps the the kind of lineup kind of fairly fairly consistent, one or two changes here and there. Um, the one time he made wholesale changes, they get beat quite comfortably by St Mirren, and not only the domestic defeat this season, and the fact is the the closest side to them is Rangers, and Rangers have been. Pretty consistently themselves, but when it in terms of the matchups, they've just fallen short. And um, I do think Celtic do deserve the title. And in terms of the match itself, I felt as if the first match, uh, the first half was, I thought Hearts were by far the better side in terms of the pressing side of the game. Um, and I think Celtic were just kind of, just kind of try to just nullify their threat going forward. And then obviously. Sending off a big turning point in the game. Um, I'm sure we'll come to that, but um, and then the second half, they just kind of with a man advantage, kind of wore hearts down and got the three points and uh, secured the title. Mm-hmm. Um, you just touched on the red card, we'll just say it just now. So it was a big turning point in the game. So, what do you think? Do you think it was a red card or do you think it wasn't? Right. Pretty harsh, to be honest, but I do think by the letter of law, I think it is denying a goal score opportunity. And the fact is that Dyson made um, it. Was, obviously, it was, a, it was the slightest of tugs, but Cochrane knew he got the wrong side of him. And then there was Kyogo there for the, for the tapping, if he wanted to just cut it across. Um, so I do think by the letter of law, it is, was the right decision. Um, although, if it was... If it was probably um, going against your side, you probably wouldn't say 
it is a red card, so it's kind of one of the ones. It's kind of like a yellow, between a yellow and a red, it's kind of like an amber. Those yeah. Ones. Like you kind of, it's not really clear cut, but the way the, the way the law is, the way the law is going, you would probably say it as a red, only just. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could it, it could have went. You, you can look at it both ways. I mean, um, when I first saw it, I I thought it was a red card when I first saw it, but the more I see it, it's very harsh and it's very soft to and. Um, you know, like the the, the ref's going to VAR, right? But um, like I I think it is I think it is a red card just because you know he's a last man, and I think Kyogo, um, I think Kyogo is also he, on Maeda's left side. I think he's free in space, so I think if Maeda did get to that ball. I think he's putting through Kyogo and Kyogo's going to have a tap in. So I think that would have probably ine- inevitably led to a goal. But um, you, you, you know, the way you've said it, it's kind of like 50% a yellow card, 50% a red card. It could have went either way. And, you know, the referee has given the red card. And, you know, it did change the game because just touching on the game, um, you know, Hearts were, I thought it was a really good game up to the red card. I thought both teams were, it was a really good match to watch. And then the red card, you know, you know that that kind of does ruin the game a little bit because I mean Hearts now have to set up differently and Celtic have all the ball, and in the second half you were just kind of waiting for Celtic to get the goal to obviously win the match and win the title. Um, but my reaction to Celtic winning the title is that I think it is totally deserved. I mean, from the first game of the season against Aberdeen at Celtic Park, I think just from then I just think that I, I've never saw. I mean, Celtic's closest challengers are Rangers, and just I, I, I've never gone away from the fact that I just always thought Celtic would win the title this season. Just in terms of the way they play, they're so relentless. Their squad depth—they've got the best squad in the league. You know, like they can bring on players to to win the game all the time if if it isn't going their way. You know, and the fact that they've only lost one game this season in the league. Shows that you know they deserve to win the league, and uh, I, I think I've touched on it in the podcast before. But we always talk about Celtic and the way they play going forward and they're attacking. But you have, but but the biggest thing for me is their defense. You know, you don't win titles without a good defense, and Celtic hardly leak any goals. And you, I mean, I think I think their defensive, their defensive side, you really you really have to you have to praise because. They've been brilliant, but it's not just defensive. It's been all over the park, and you know, totally deserved. And you know, that I mean, that that moves that move. So that now moves on. So now the fact that they've won their second title in a row. So, what next for Celtic? Like, how do they? How do they try and keep improving? How do they keep improving? Well, I I think they kind of fine tune the squad. The squad is kind of. It's kind of nearly enough complete, apart from maybe like you might see a few players move on the summer. Someone maybe like Ali Labada, like you said, he's 25 of appearance this season. He's getting taught with big moves. He's 21 years of age. You'll not, you'll not be happy when he starts. And when he does start, he doesn't make the same impact as he does off the bench. Same with Siad Sia Um, And maybe 
Celtic, if they want to go that extra gear, maybe improve the goalkeeper on Joe Hart in terms of, like, I'm talking European level, and it's maybe you're talking maybe one or two tweaks to the system, maybe even dropping in Tomoki Awata for maybe like a Matt O'Reilly, and that we have McGregor pushed up one or even have two kind of one sitting, one box to box, and then kind of one just kind of roaming playmaker. But I do feel as if the next level for Celtic is to make a stamp in Europe because you've seen across the city, Rangers under Van Bronckhorst last season got to a European final. Um, Rangers consistently under um, Gerard before that were making quarterfinals last 16s of Europa League. But obviously seeing the step up to the Champions League for them, worst team in the group stage history. So because they, they didn't invest properly, they weren't prepared. Um, number of factors. Celtic this season, although they didn't get a group stage win, they excited a lot of fans in terms of the way they play, the expansive play. But as you've seen, when they play out from the back in Europe, if you make a mistake, you're going to get punished because a lot of teams high press. Um, and the one that sticks to mind was the Joe Hart error away to Leipzig. You can't have errors like that in Europe. Although Joe Hart, is, I think, has been a great signing for Celtic. I do think if you want to compete at European level, I think you need to kind of go up a level in terms of goalkeeper. Um, so I do think in terms of like Celtic and Ange Postecoglou want to continue what they're doing. Um, they need to make sure they consistently win the league and uh, qualify for group stage football for Champions League and try to qualify for the last 16. That should be the aim for them. And if, it, if they get a domestic cup along the way, it's a bonus. And also a table this season on the horizon, potentially, is a phenomenal achievement for a man. It's in his, just his second season at the club. Um, and it's his second back-to-back title in his career after Melbourne City all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Um, in terms of where I think Celtic needs to improve, um, well, I think that first of all, they have to keep they're big players, so I think if Celtic come out the summer and they've, they've kept the manager, I think, you know, there's going to be inevitably there's going to be interest in Ange Postecoglou and, you know, they have to even tie him down to a new contract. I think that's got to be the priority. As long as he stays, then I think Celtic will be okay. Um, you're right about, the, the big thing for me is the improvement in Europe, you know. It, it, I mean, it, I mean, it's proven that Celtic haven't been good enough in Europe the last few years, um, and that that's kind of something now that Celtic have to start. They have to start looking at and you know really making strides in that. And the only way they can do that is by investing in the team, quite big. Uh, I think a, a position Celtic really need to look at is the goalkeeper. Uh, I think Joe Hart has been brilliant. He's been absolutely amazing for Celtic, and you know he deserves all the praise he gets. But you know, you know, he is getting older now, and you know, I think sometimes away when the level goes up, I think he kind of does get found out. You know, I you you pointed out the the like the mistake he made against Leipzig, which was a big mistake because it led to a goal. Um, so I think that could be a position where Celtic would need to look at, and you know, there is whispers of players that are leaving. For example, Abada, who does look like he is going to go in the summer. So Celtic and the this is one thing I'm really praising for. They've been amazing in the transfer market since Postecoglou's come in. So, you know, 
if they do have to go back into the market to replace an Abada, you know, let's hope that you know, well for the league. I mean, that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a really good signing. Um. So no, so the the big thing for me is the improving Europe, and I think if they keep the the big core of the squad, aka if they keep Kyogo and they keep and if they keep Ange, then I think they'll be okay in terms of uh, domestically. But I think Europe they're going to have to, you know, really make big strides this season. Um. So coming up next, we will be previewing this week's Champions League semi final matches. So on Tuesday, the 9th of May, Man City will play Real Madrid. And on Wednesday, the 10th of May, AC Milan will play Inter Milan. So starting off with the Man City versus Real Madrid match. So that's all, that's getting played on Tuesday, so I'll be played tonight by the time we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So, Pierce, uh, what's your thoughts about the match? Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I'm buzzing for it. Um... If it's anything go like last season's game, then we're in for an absolute treat. Um, last season, Man City dominated about ninety percent of the, the both ties, and somehow come unstuck. And that's because of the magical history around Real Madrid in this Champions League competition. They just somehow find a way. Um, because me and you last year watched that second leg and we were like, oh, the game's done with ten minutes to go, and then they get two goals in literally two minutes. And then they go and win it an extra time. And by that time, Manchester City had taken off all their attacking players and put on all their defensive players. So literally, if they wanted to go and win the game an extra time, they'd already shut up shop. So there was only one team that was going to go and win it, and it was Real Madrid. Um, and like you say, there's a lot of players that are kind of playing for inj- injury barrier for both sides that are just kind of wanting to just get through because this is a massive, massive tie. Um and obviously that with the, this time it's got the second leg in Manchester. So if if I think Real Madrid need to win about two or three goals, clear goals, if they want to stand a chance to get through, because Manchester City will fancy their chances. And obviously Erling Haaland playing Real Madrid for the very first time. So that'll be an interesting matchup. And obviously there'll be no Edder Militao tonight because he's suspended. So probably Antonio Rudiger will play alongside David Alaba. Um but I'd, I'd, I'd just I'd like to say that one of the standout players that changed the game for me last last season in the second leg, and it was Eduardo Camavinga, when he brought energy into that midfield. But Phil Mendy has been injury prone, and to be honest, he's not been good off the hundred, and he's had to deputise at left back, and I think he's been absolutely outstanding. And that could be a key battle between him and um, Ronaldo Subway, who likes to play off that right flank. And we know how tricky and skillful even Mares, how tricky and skillful they two are together combining and um, high pressing as well. So I think they set for a blockbuster tie. And I don't think either side will get a clean sheet. I'm going to go um, 3 1 Real Madrid. Um, maybe slightly biased there, but um, I do think it would be an absolute blockbuster tie. And I don't think people writing off Real Madrid, I just, I just don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. No, it's. I mean, it's 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 a massive it's a massive game and it's a massive tie. You know, both teams. You know, are in a good place at the moment. Man City have won countless games in a row. You know, they really seem to be hitting form right at the right time. Real Madrid have just come off winning a trophy at the weekend. Um, after they defeated Osasuna. Uh, you know, 
it's you know you 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 touched on it a bit last season. You know that was that was one of the the biggest the best ties of of in terms of history probably. You know the first leg was amazing, and then the second leg was was amazing as well. It was just it was such a good tie and it's two amazing teams. You know you, you you can't you can't predict it. I mean it's 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 so hard to predict because you know if you look at Man City for a start the way they play it's just um, unbelievable. And the big thing for Man City now is the fact that they've got Erling Haaland. You know, they've been accused of in the past of, you know, not finishing their chances when they've had really big opportunities. But now they've got Holland, you know, that can make such a big difference for them. Um, you know, I mean, for a Man City fan, I mean, what a time it is for them, you know, about to play Real Madrid in a Champions League semi-final and they're in the hunt to uh, win an FA Cup and they're also in pole position to win the title. So, I mean, they're in such a good place at the moment. So many exciting matches. Uh, and then you look at Real Madrid, you know, the league's been disappointing for them. Obviously, um, Barcelona have kind of run away with it. But there's something about them in the Champions League. They just, you know, they, they could be in terrible form. And then a Champions League match would turn, would turn up and they would just rise to it. You know, they just love that competition so much. Um, you know, you've got you've got the big players like Vinicius and Benzema. The, they're, they're so dangerous. Um, you know, uh, there's just there's just something special about them in this in this competition. You know, you 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 touched on the fact that it's at the burnabout tonight. Um, you know, Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid have to win tonight. Like, I think it's a must for them to win tonight. Uh, you know, you 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 touched on the fact that they have to win by maybe two or three goals. I I don't necessarily think that. I just think they have to win. Because I think they've got it in them. If they came out of this game tonight and they won one 0 or two one, I think they are capable of going to the Etihad and scoring goals. You know they're really good in the counter attack. You know, so, but they have to win tonight. I think if they come, if Man City win tonight, you know they're in pole position. Mm. Um, but I mean it's so hard to call. It really is because both teams. I mean it's probably the the two best teams in the world at the moment. Um, you know, it, it's going to be amazing. Uh, so, the, the the next question I was going to ask is, you know, the, the, the tie hasn't been played yet. You know, the first leg is tonight, but who do you think will progress to the final out of them? Uh, these two. I'm going. To, I'm going to say the, the obvious Real Madrid. Um, so many pundits that I've watched in previous shows and ex-players, like obviously the quote for Wayne Rooney saying basically that. Manchester City will absolutely destroy Real Madrid tonight. But like four or five nil, and I'm just like, I'm like oh, you're hearing all these people kind of shout up and what You don't ever forget history, and like you say, like no other side in world football goes through like a dip in form in terms of the Liga season, then just turn it on the Champions League. No other side can do that apart from Madrid. They're the only side that can just off form. But when it comes to the magical nights at the Bernabeu, the magical nights in the Champions League, knockout stage football, they just do it. Because even in the group stage, usually early on, like the first couple of games, they don't always hit top gear. It's always when they hit the last 16 quarterfinal, that's when they, in the full stride, the big players turn up. And obviously the main man last year, who turned the tie on its head, Rodrigo, he's been on the electric form this season, just as much as Finisci Jr., 
So you've got that front three of Rodrigo, who just got two goals in the cup final that you touched on against Osasuna when the Copa del Rey. Um, so I, I do think that um, both sides have got tremendous attacking talent. Both and obviously Manchester City rested what was it about six or seven players at the weekend. Um, and also yeah. Ellen Haaland had an absolute stinker against his his uh, dad's club leads. I mean, so that was bound to happen. But you can put better get not you can really bet against the scoring at the Bernabeu. Um, and obviously the key battle is Man City's right back position. I don't think they've got a fit right back, and even then, a half fit Kyle Walker who hasn't played in maybe three or four weeks. And obviously Nathan Aki pulled it with an injury as well, so he's been a big player from the season. Um, so but, and obviously, like I said, Martel's out as well. So it's both sides like you kind of make shift and try to put it. But regardless, it's not going to be about defense. Scott, just about attack, attack, attack. Got a basketball game end to end, and it'll be thrill. It'll be an absolute thriller. And um, it's one f- for the ages. That like you said, the one last year was an absolute classic, and, and I expect exactly the same tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, my prediction, I mean, like, because you, you said, Drew, I'm actually going to go Man City. Um, the reason I go Man City is because although Real Madrid pulled it off last year, which was amazing, you know, when you look back at that match, the chances Man City had uh, in both ties last year were really, really big. And the, and, they had no one there to finish them. But I just think I just think the big difference with this match is Ellen Holland. I think Man City against anything in the world are always going to create chances with the team with the, with the players I've got with De Bruyne, you know, Grealish, Mares, players like that. And I just think with Ellen Holland getting on the end of them, I think they will convert them. Uh you know, I I'm not gonna sit here and totally you know, I would not be surprised at all Real Madrid got to the final because I mean they're so capable of doing it but I just think Man City because of the main man which is Aaron Holland I just think the, the the chances Man City create I just think they've now got a striker that's that quality that, that he can finish them and I, I just think it also because Man City are at the Etihad in the second leg I think that'll make a big difference because although I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't expect Man City tonight to get comfortably beat. I think if Man Raymond did do win tonight, I think it will only be by a, maybe a goal or maybe two goals. And I think Man City have got enough to turn that around if they did lose tonight. So I'm going to go Man City. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would not rule Raymond at all. They're totally capable. And, you know, the point is, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a brilliant match. It's going to be it's going to be amazing to watch two two amazing teams, and you know you know it's it's really exciting. Uh, Tom, um, one yeah. in the game, um, it's just a pity it's not the final. It's a pity it's a semi final, and I, I do think as well, like we said with Erling Haaland, Karim Benzema, two two world class strikers, but I do think we only did edge Manchester City in terms of goalkeepers. But I do think obviously seen it last season. How crucial Courtois was, even though they don't play great, he makes unbelievable saves. I don't feel Ederson makes that the crucial saves, although he's fantastic with the ball at his feet. I do feel as if when he, the chances come at him, he's not as big. He's, he doesn't make these massive saves 
like a Courtois would to save. So I do think that could be a crucial factor as well. In terms of, like you say, Man City missed all those chances last year, right? But we only didn't have that many chances against uh, Man City, but they scored them all, basically. And that's the difference. And um, that could be crucial. It could be one of the small factors in the chess piece, in the chess board that could could have a massive save. But I just wanted to say that it should, it should really be a final, this game. But um, this is what Champions League is all about. You have to just play what's in front of you. Yeah, no, you're right about it should be a final because it's, in my opinion, it's the two best teams in Europe. Uh, and you're right about the chances, about the converting chances. I think, basically, because there's going to be, both teams are going to create chances, you know, they, they, they've both got the quality to do it, and it's who converts them more. Um, and that'll be the difference. Uh, and, you know, it'll be interesting to find out who, who will do that. So, um, we'll now move on to our semi-final that's getting played. So that'll be between AC Milan and Inter Milan. So that'll be two Italian teams. So, Pierce, what's your thoughts about this tie? It'll be, it's going to be an absolute blockbuster as well, isn't it? San Siro, two Champions League nights, two Milan sides playing each other. The cities could be absolute hatred for each other. Like You can just see the ultra just going absolute ballistic. And I think it might even boil over to the pitch. Because the players will feel that. And both teams this season in the Serie A haven't been great. But in the Champions League, they've just found another level where they've just somehow managed to get through where it didn't look possible or they've looked cumbersome, they've looked lacklustre. But both sides do have that quality that just hasn't been consistent enough this season. Um, and I do think it's set for an absolute blockbuster tie. Um, and also there was a noticeable injury through AC Milan at the weekend I've seen. Was it Rafael went off? So that could be a massive... Massive uh, factor in the game because he's like the he's like the star man. Um, but if I was going to go one way, I probably would go towards AC Milan. But if you've got maybe, if it's such one of the ones, it's, it's a flip of a coin because I think both sides are filled with absolute quality throughout the side. Um, I do think probably Inter are probably more defensively solid when you look at that back line. And the wing backs. Um, and I, I love the midfield to be honest. Um, uh, Brozovic, Barella, I think the two are absolutely outstanding. And then the former AC Montland, I can't an ugly. Um, so I know there's and also big Slatan and big Giroud and all that you can throw in the mix as well. So it's set for an absolute blockbuster tie. And I do think both sides probably shouldn't. Don't deserve to be there, but they do at the same time because how good they've been in Europe, but in terms of league form, they haven't been great. Um, but I do think that I would probably edge towards AC Milan, but I do think they could go with red cards, managers sent off, fans fighting in the street. I just think the atmosphere around the game is going to be absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's again, it's an amazing tie. I mean. A Milan derby, I can't remember the last time there was a Milan derby championship semi-final. You know, Milan, the second Milan is going to be so alive uh, tomorrow um, before the before kick-off, you know. I, I think it's good to see, you know, we don't we don't get these ties as much, you know, these kind of two two massive two massive historical teams like Inter and AC Milan playing a semi-final. You know, I haven't seen that as much, it's good. It's good for Italian football, you know. Italian football is known for their passion for the for football, you know. That you know, 
it's really good to see. It's quite refreshing as well. Um, I, I can't predict both teams. The, the, both teams, you, you've pointed out, they haven't great Serie A this season. You know, Napoli have run away with that title. But they're both so similar. Like They, they, are, they are different in terms of the way they, the, the way they play, but they're so similar in terms of quality. You know, AC Milan, the, the big one's Leal, Rafa Leal. Uh, if he's fit, then I think they've got a big chance. But Inter Milan have picked up the last few weeks. Um, so it's going to be so interesting. Uh, um, you know, I can't wait for it. That, that, that'll be an art. San Siro, a historical stadium. You know, it, it's just set up to be a brilliant semi-final. Um, so, yeah, we look forward to that. So for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football round up. Yes, yeah, so um, so in terms of the South Korean football news, starting on um, Friday in K League One action, uh, Daegu FC nil, Ulsan Hyundai three, FC Seoul one, Jumbo Hyundai Motors one, Incheon United nil, Suwon Blue Wings one, uh, and then on Saturday the sixth of May, Jeju uh, United two, Boang Steelers one, Suwon FC two, Gangwon FC nil, Wangju. Now, De Johanna Citizen now. And it's leaves the Kaylee one table looking like this. At the top of the table, you've got Ulsa Hyundai on 28 points after 11 games. Um, FC Sell trailing behind them in second on 20 points. And in third place, you've got Bolang Steelers on 19 points. So as you see, Ulsa Hyundai are starting to run away and create a bit of a gap between them and the rest of the sides and showing that they're more than capable of uh, winning back-to-back titles. Um, down at 10th in the table, near the bottom, we've got Jumbuk Hyundai Motors on 11 points for 11 matches. Um, we've got Gangwon FC in 11th on 10 points, and the bottom of the table, Suwon Su Samsung Blue Wings on 5 points. Yet to uh, just got the first one of the season this weekend as well. And continuing the Korean football news, um, Cam Sin Sik resigns as Jumbo Hyundai Motors boss on Thursday. Um, and that's no doubt down to the fact that they're the reigning champions, record holders, uh, not reigning champions, sorry, record holders in terms of one in 10 Korean titles. And the fact is that they're in 10th place on 11 points for 11 games is just not absolutely good enough. And the football hasn't been great. Um, and in terms of the bottom club side as well, Sue and Samson Blue Wings manager, um, they've been without a manager for three weeks during an interim charge. And um, Kim Byung Soo is a new manager of a team on Thursday as well. So that was a busy day in terms of South Korean football news on Thursday. So he's been appointed as a new manager of last place, um, Sue and Samson Blue Wings. The club announced on Thursday fell in the vacant role nearly three weeks after former manager Lee Byung-gun was fired. The former uh, Gang 1 FC manager will be under contract until the end of the 2024 K-League 1 season. Um, he got off the perfect start as he gained his first win of the season, defeating Inchon United 1-0 away. Um, Kim Do-hyun is in caretaker charge of Jumbut Hyundai Motors until a permanent manager can be appointed. Um, and I also wanted to touch on um, some... Horrible, horrible scenes at the weekend. Uh, Son Heung-min was subject to racist abuse by Crystal Palace supporter at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Saturday. And I just wanted your thoughts on this, Tom. 
Yeah, no, uh, totally unacceptable. Um, you know, it shouldn't be happening uh, to anyone. Uh, you know, I hope I hope whoever done it or who if it was a group, I hope they get dealt with because it shouldn't be happening. Um, it shouldn't be happening in this day and age. Uh, you know, totally unacceptable. Yeah, no, because we're, we're all of inclusivity in football nowadays and um, uh, Black Lives Matters and obviously wearing the pride, pride boots and armbands and stuff like that. So, and uh, that's no, unacceptable. And um, Crystal Palace confirmed they're aware of the, the video circulating on social media um, and there's a racist gesture towards Son as he's leaving the pitch and they've shared the evidence with the Met Police and they will ban the player for life when and when he is identified. So in terms of the uh, Japanese uh, Japanese news, so Urawa Red Diamonds uh, have claimed their third Asian Champions League f- football title on Saturday, the 6th of May, with a 2-1 aggregate win over Saudi Arabia's Al-Hilal in the long-delayed final of the tournament. An own goal from Al-Hilal winger Andre Kalilo, formerly of Benfica, proved the difference in the second leg of the final at a windy Saitama Stadium just outside Tokyo, following a one-man draw the previous Saturday's opening leg in Riyadh. The victory means Uwarid Diamonds have now added the 2022 title to their successes in 2007 and 2017. So in terms of J-League 1, uh, on Saturday with Aikado, Console, Sapporo 5, SC Tokyo 1, Nagoya Grampus 1, Gambo Saka 0. On Saturday we had Finish off the, t- the league, t- uh, league matches. San Frecce, Hiroshima 3, Avispa, Fakuka 1, uh, Albrecht, Negrata 0, Kashiwa Reso 0, Serres, Osaka 0, uh, Kashiwa Antlers 1, Vassel Kobe 3, Yokohama FC 0, Yokohama F Maros 4, Kyoto Sanga 1, Kawasaki Frontali 1, Sagan Tusun 0. And um, at the top of the table, you've got Vassel Kobe. After 12 matches, 26 points, and then you've got Yuka Mariners back up near the top of the table, second place in 24 points, and then third you've got Nagoya Grampus in 23. So it's cooling up nicely at the top of the table as it, they're the three front runners for the the title this season. And then down at the bottom of the table, you've got 16th place, Kashi Wariso, 11 points after 12 matches, Gambo Saka in 17th with 7 points. And then you'll come FC at the foot of the table on six points. And that is all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggy podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggy YouTube channel and also the Football Chuggy website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.